Okay, this is Al from Dugout Talk, and we're having a special uh, quarantine <laughs> quarantine induced episode of the of Dugout Talk, and I've got uh, former major leaguer uh, Matt Stark and my current buddy. We've been friends. My geez, we grew up together. Let's put it that way. And uh, welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me, Al. It's been been a unique unique time for us here, uh, but I'm enjoying a nice Saturday here at the home. Well, good Watching deal. Some tree trimmers cut some trees. <laughs> well, listen, we and Matt. I've been wanting to get Matt onto the episodes for a while now since we started this last year, and um, you know this Corona, this whole episode with the virus and everything. We've all hunkered down in our homes, and I it, I felt like it'd be a good time to get Matt in there. And so, thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. I always enjoy talking baseball. Well, listen, um, I want to kind of give the the listeners a, a kind of uh, how we know each other and stuff. And we, I grew up with Matt. We, um, I think, the first time we, I, I, uh, I knew who you were was. Um, in junior high, we were my eighth eighth grade Newton Junior High in Hosted Heights, and we had a pretty good basketball team. In fact, we had a guy who later on went on our our, our mutual friend Mike, who went on to to play for the Boston Celtics and the Clippers, and had a great basketball career and great college career, All American, and all that. So we had a great team, but we played a team. That was just over here from us, East Whitney High School, who just smoked us. I think you guys beat us by twenty. Do you remember that, Maddie? Yeah, that was those were great times. I went to East Whittier Junior High School in Whittier, and we had a real good basketball program that had been going on for years. We had our own gymnasium on campus, and so we ventured out and played teams in other cities. And as Al mentioned, we played Newton Junior High over in Hacienda Heights, California. <laughs> we played Orange Grove. We went out and played teams in Downey and Norwalk. Anyways, that's when we first met is when we gave you guys. Um, you killed us, dude. You just smoked us. You killed yeah, us. Yeah, whatever word you want to use, it was a good beating. <laughs> And that's where our friendship started. You were just draining three drain. Well, there was no three point line back then, but you were just draining shots. I remember from the corner. That was your that was your post up right there. Just it was a good team. We had we had, you know, I don't remember all the players, but the better ones went on and obviously played in high school, and then I think a few of them played in college. Yeah, they were great. It was a good team. You killed us, but um, we went on from there, and we we ended up at the same high school, Asaltos Cal, Asaltos High School in in Hacienda Heights, California, and we just bu- we just buddied up in uh, in football, and um, probably that spring, probably that summer, prior to football and the camps, and and everything else that was going on, and I remember you, uh, I remember you met you, and you were just sitting there with um. With your 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 Dodgers, your Murphy Ranch Dodger 
Dodger hat that you would wear with the big D on it. And uh, and there was a couple other of us, Darren and Darren Davis and Matt and Mike Smith that were part of our little group. And uh, we played back then. We played three sports a year, every single year. And and um, Matt just dominated. I, I, I he won't say it himself, but you know, by the time we were seniors, or no, let's go back. Wait, hold on. Now, our, our freshman year, we were still playing in Little League. And so it was senior major, and you played for Murphy Ranch, right? Well, my senior major years, I actually played for Hacienda Heights Little League. And our home field was Los Altos High School. Yeah, wait, well, wasn't that your 15? But isn't it one of your 15-year-old year you played in, in at Murphy? Yeah, now my 15-year-old year would have been uh, well, they right now they call it juniors. Oh, okay, all right. So I, I think I think halfway through high school is when I I signed up, and when we moved over to Hacienda Heights with uh, I believe it was called Hacienda Heights Little League. Yeah, it was. It was Hacienda Heights Little League. I, but I, I just remember when you were at Murphy, you hit like seven hundred that year, something like that. Yeah. Well, since I was a kid, my main little league was Murphy Ranch over in Whittier. But when I moved over to Hacienda Heights, um, I became, you know, now I was in a different district. So um, I started playing with the players over there uh, in the San Gabriel Valley. Right. Okay. And then, and then we went to Los Altos together and you, you, you played, you went up to, back then most guys didn't go up to varsity when they were freshmen. You went up as a sophomore, and uh, you were with you were starting catcher for the soft that that soft that team, weren't you? Yeah, sophomore starter. Uh, what I remember about Los Altos um, is we played back then. We were in the highest level, high school level. So I don't know class. I don't know if it was called five A. Uh, anyways. It was the big, uh, wasn't it the big five? Big five. There you go. Yeah, Al. it was a big five. So that was the one thing I remember is we, we, our schedule um, was a good schedule. But yeah, we I played freshman baseball my freshman year and then made the varsity my sophomore year and then played three years on the varsity. But I just always remembering making the playoffs and always playing a good school. We, we had a tough schedule playing at that, you know, that big five um, level. But great times. Um, you know, we all played football, baseball, and basketball. I certainly wish that would change nowadays. Um, too many schools are endorsing playing one sport. Um, the, the friendship. I'll always remember and we're continuing it today you know 30 years later uh 35 years later where you know we primarily hung around each other mike darren alan myself and you know 35 years later we're still in touch with each other and we all have kids and all the different jobs we've had and careers. And so 
in my mid fifties, it's, it's a great thing to, to be able to look back and still have my, my three friends from high school that I can talk to. Yeah, it's a great thing, man. I, I feel blessed for that. I, it really, it's a, it is a special thing. And in high school too, you're right. You had, you had amazing success on the basketball court and, and football. We won CIF our senior year in 1982. And you were, I think the, I want to say, you were the nation's leading receiver, or at least in the top 10, 5'10". Um, our quarterback, Mike Smith, just set all kinds of records. And you and Darren Davis were just one of our our top receivers. And uh, we won CIF, went 14-0, beat a good good Esperanza team, a high school that you, you're nearby to now. And uh, that's not far from you. And, um, yeah, we had a great, you know, we had a lot of success. Our baseball team didn't do as well. We, we, uh, I think we underachieved to be honest with you. I think, I think we were a lot better than, than, uh, than, than our, um, how far we went into the playoffs. I think, I, well, we ran into a good, I think who our senior year, we went into the, we won the first round against Fountain Valley and then the second round, we ran up against Hoover High School, and they had a pitcher called uh, Wally Ritchie. Do you remember that, Matt? Matt, he played. He he played professionally in the Phillies organization. Yeah, I mean, we just always, you know, because we played at the top level. You're right. The senior year, we beat Fountain Valley at home, lost to um, Glendale Hoover High School. I think our junior year we lost at Colton. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Colton beat us in football that year, knocked us out of the playoffs, and they went on to win the the CIF championship, and then they beat us again in baseball, and uh, at their place, which was a that was crazy. I just, their fans, everything. They're they're crazy. Yeah, what I remember about Colton because it, it is in our our. our our history, our past, is their field was just huge. It was an open field that went forever. Yes, I remember that because I was in the outfield. So in football, tell me if I'm wrong, we only lost, I only lost two games in four years. That's right. We only did. Freshman year, undefeated. Sophomore year, we lost at Huntington Beach High School against Fountain Valley. That's right. Junior year, we lost against Colton, I believe, in the third round at Redlands College, the University of Redlands. Right. Senior year undefeated, won the CIF championship. That's right. That's right, and only twice. So that was a good run. I would credit that success to the coaching staff. Oh, yeah. At Los Altos High School, led by our Hall of Fame inductee, Dwayne Despain. That's right. And we had a good class of athletes. We did. It was a unique uh, situation with a lot of good guys all at the same, com- coming together at, all at the same time. And uh, we were really lucky to have that. And then. Um, and I- we finished up that, that athletic season with baseball. 
and you had an amazing year. You probably, I think it was, I don't care. I know you hit at least 500, <laughs> which is crazy. It's like video game numbers. And um, the scouts were, I remember there were scouts were at almost every game that we had. And you ended up being drafted. Let's talk a little bit about that. And uh, I can't remember how it went down. But I remember this. I remember me and Darren, our other buddy, we wanted to be, we wanted to be there with the scouts and to negotiate. I guess you had, it was, did this happen after you got drafted? Where you negotiate what your your yes. signing bonus? Yeah, I mean, basically, what happened is, you know, through my time in high school. I didn't play travel ball. Travel ball wasn't right. around. But I played on a summer team in the San Gabriel Valley uh, with some some really good players that went on, most of them to play college and a handful of them to play professionally. The big name in that, that team was Cecil That's Kruger. right. That's Cecil, who went to Nogales High School in uh... – Right. Yeah, so uh, that was a great experience. But I guess through you know you playing games in high school and playing in the summer with your little league uh, teams, you know you you get noticed. So through that time, I was noticed. Um, you know, and the process of scouts coming out, whether it's to your games or to practices, started happening, um, and then eventually. Um, specific organizations were working me out. I remember one, the team that drafted me, the Toronto Blue Jays, actually came with two or three scouts, and we had some live batting practice on the girls' softball field at Los Altos, which was funny and something that I remember. But yeah, I ended up getting drafted. I was fortunate to get drafted in the first round. And when the call came in, it came to the high school, and I was in class. Really? I don't even remember that. Wow. Yeah, I was in um, government. It it was the teacher was Dick Kraft. (laughs) I remember him. I I think his class was the government class. Civics. Yeah, he taught civics. Yeah, civics. So what they did is they just. you know, they called his classroom, and then I, I came to the office. The phone call came into the, the Los Altos High School office, and then I ended up speaking to, a you know, a representative about being drafted. So that, that, that just happened on a regular school day, 1983, in the month of June. Okay, and then, and then um, so it was the Blue Jays who drafted you. Yeah, the Toronto Blue Jays. And then um, basically after that, you know, it was, you know, we were coming to the end of our senior year in high school. Um, So uh, what happens is you you just you start a a negotiating process of, 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 you know, them wanting to sign you. Um, So that that lasted maybe a couple of weeks. Uh, because I was a first-round pick, uh, my dad, father was representing me, 
who was a teacher at Los Altos. Um, and so we just, you know, came to a, a money figure that we thought was fair uh, in the round that I was drafted at that time. So, um, and then what happened is we signed and came to an agreement. And then I started my first year really quick. Uh, my first minor league season up in, uh, I was in Canada in the city of Medicine Hat. (laughs) I remember that. Uh, But I remember going back to the signing. I remember Darren and I wanted to be there, but your mom didn't want us there. And so I remember we climbed in the window and hid in the bathroom and tried to listen from the bathroom. Do you remember that? You know, I do remember that. <laughs> Anyways. And, yeah, we just had, I, I believe the representatives that were there were the general manager, Pat Gillick, and then the the regional scout, uh, a gentleman, I can't think of his name. His name was Wayne Morgan. Wow. Who, who was a longtime major league scout, a very nice gentleman. Um but yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, where we had signed the contract, came to an agreement, uh, you know, uh, 30 minutes or an hour. Uh, I think we might have gone after out to eat after that. It's, it, it was nothing like what's happening today, where it's televised, um, you know, it's on ESPN. Yeah, I think, I think the draft order just showed up in the paper. And that was it. That was pretty much everything you saw. It was, there wasn't no MLB network or anything like that. I think it just, it, 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 that's all it is. It just showed up in the newspaper, the draft order. And, and that was exactly. it. That was, the, that was the only thing that happened. But yeah, I mean, it's a phone call and it's get together and sign the contract. And be, before I knew it, I mean, I was off to Medicine Hat, which, uh, at the time was a rookie league. There's classifications in the minor leagues. I'm starting out with the lowest being rookie ball. And then it goes up from class A to class double A to class triple A. And then nowadays they have say, uh, if you're in class A, there's class A plus. Okay. Wow. Or, you know, um, where it's a little better, a little more experienced than Class A. Um, so I just remember Medicine Hat really, really well because it was a league primarily um, with players that were coming from college. Um, I remember having guys on my team. One guy was from Louisiana State University. Anyways, more experienced players than me. And it took me a while to get get going i really started out slowly i was living um i had a roommate in a hotel um the bus rides you know uh were new for me uh all those types of things living you know obviously out on my own uh was was a different uh setup um but then the then the second half came around in this my first year and and i started started to uh, get it going. 
make improvements, make adjustments, uh, and ended up having a pretty good year. Uh, and then the next year I was off to, I was promoted to a higher level, uh, which was class A. So, well, you, uh, yeah, I remember you moving up on, on a steady rate. I mean, you know, that's, you were doing, doing exactly what, uh, what they had hoped you would do. And, and, um, but let's go back to their your signing bonus. Do you remember your first purchase with your signing bonus? Well, I th- the the main two things that I I purchased were, and my signing bonus was one hundred and fifty thousand. Right, I remember that. And then they they gave me another seventy five hundred dollar bonus, which was to be used for if I decided to go back to college. It was. I don't, I don't know if it's something that, that happens now. I think it's, it's important to mention, though, that you had for, for football, yeah. for, because you, were such, you had such a great year in football, too. You had full-ride offers to almost every major college in the nation, including, which was, I think, was your, major, your first pick was USC. Is, um, and there was some question as to whether or not you were going to sign you know with with the baseball team or or go to play football at usc and so you had a lot of different options for a young guy back then you know i think you know we again there was a lot a lot of guys like that in our our high school having that kind of year our buddy mike you know had had those kinds of offers and and so did darren but um yeah so it's it's i want to mention that because because uh, you had a lot of options. I mean, there was a lot of things that were on the plate for you. You know, what made you choose baseball? Well, I think like any any high school kid that has multiple options, we were just going through the normal process. It didn't seem, you know, I was still living my my day to day life. I was there weren't any changes I needed to make. It just is if I was going to go to college, I needed to choose a college to go to. Um, and through that process, it ended up being USC, where I would have attended there and been on a dual scholarship, which would have included the baseball and the football. Uh, if I was to sign professionally baseball-wise, um, you know, we were seeing where that, that ended up, and I ended up being drafted in the first round so uh, we just put those two options together and I decided I wanted to 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 pursue the the baseball route professionally Um, and so uh, and all this happened like in a month I mean it was a quick period of time Um, so I decided to go the baseball route um and spent some time in the minor leagues. I made it up to the, the major leagues in 1987. Uh, I was 21. What was your um, What was your first game in the major leagues? My first game was in Boston, which was a special place to have your first game. Um, what I remember about it, obviously, it was the same stadium. Really old place to play. A lot of history. Um couple things I remember is number one, it was freezing. <laughs> I mean, it was really cold in April in Boston, um, as I'm sure it is every year. And 
also I remember my teammates and one of them being Cecil Fielder, who I played with in high school in the summer, um, batting practice. All we would try to do is hit the ball over the green monster. Um, you know, having fun during batting practice, doing that um, was was great. I'll never forget that. But yeah, my first game was in Boston. Uh, I was catching. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think I got my first hit until I got back to Toronto. And my first hit was off Greg Swindell, big left-hander, went to the University of Texas, and he was pitching for the Cleveland Indians. I remember him. I remember that. Now, going back to your first game, I remember your dad, that story about your father who went, who was there at your first game. And those, you know, Mr. Stark, your, your dad was a stern man. And I remember hearing the story about how when he walked into the park and sat down and he realized that his son was playing in the same ballpark as that, that Ted, Ted Williams and even Babe Ruth played in and all the greats, Lou Gehrig and all the greats that played there that uh, he was uh, pretty, got pretty emotional thinking about that. So that, that must've been a special, that really ha- must've been a special place, place to play. But uh, yeah, so you had, you went on and um, your first hit was off Swindell and uh, now, who else was on that team, that Toronto team, other than Cecil? Boy, I tell you what, 1987, the Blue Jays had a lot of good players on it. They ended up finishing. And why I say they is I ended up getting hurt. And uh, I was on the disabled list, so I didn't finish the season with the actual team that year. But there were... I mean, the lineup was unbelievable. Lloyd Mosby, an outfielder that played a lot of years in the big leagues. Um, Jesse Barfield, he was, he was, was very right good. fielder. Um, very good player, several years an all-star. His kid uh, ended up playing in the big leagues. Uh, and left field was George Taco <laughs> Bell. Um, yeah, he is. Who was another great player? People for forget about that time. guy. Didn't he lead he the majors the in, in home runs a few years? That guy. Yeah, he, I mean, he was a very uh, successful player. What What I remember most about him is the year that he didn't he 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 was denying of of not wanting to play the DH role. So in spring training, he was refusing to hit. <laughs> That's what I remember about that specific player. He wasn't the best teammate either, um, George Bell. But um, then you move to the infield, Kelly Kelly Gruber, Tony Fernandez, uh, who was a great teammate who just passed away a few weeks ago. Um, uh, uh, You had Fred McGriff and Cecil Fielder were platooning at first base. I mean, those are two, you know, I think McGriff hit 500 home runs. I know Cecil did. There was a thousand home runs in a career there at first base. Um, the second baseman uh, was our leadoff guy. He was a Latin guy. Um, God, what was his name? Um, right-handed hitter, played in the big leagues a lot, a lot of years. I can't think of his name right now. Catchers were Ernie Witt and myself. Great pitching staff. You had Jimmy Key, Dave Steeb. 
Doyle Alexander. He had some very good relievers in Dwayne Ward, Tom Hankey. Uh, they called the Terminator. Um, so it was a very good team. And a, a lot of a lot of those guys um, played a lot of years in the major leagues. Um, a lot of all-star teams uh, for this this team um, over their their careers. So yeah, that, I mean, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of guys. So I mean that now that how how was that was a short that you came in um, and you said in April. Yeah, what what happened is is. I got hurt okay. my arm and it was, you know, throwing down to second and the specific play was my first game in Boston where it was freezing. And I ended up throwing out the old Dwight Evans, oh, yeah. Dewey a Evans. player for a long time. Um, but when I made the throw it was, uh, I, I didn't move my feet. I, I threw, you know, on my knees, I had a strong enough arm where I could, you know, throw to specific bases and, and throw guys out or, or attempt pickoffs. Um, but this one, oh man, it, uh, you could hear, I could hear a little pop. And then, you know, for the next, for the next month, I was hurting. Um, what happened about a month into that season in 1987, is I ended up getting a cortisone shot. Um, I won't forget that, that, happened with a doctor in Milwaukee uh, when we were in Chicago. They bust me up to Milwaukee to get this cortisone shot, and I just couldn't bounce back. So they ended up sending me down to the minor leagues um, where I would be able to start catching again, and I couldn't. I couldn't throw. I had pain. So later in that year, I ended up having surgery uh, right down there in the south, uh, our double-A f- affiliate was in Knoxville, Tennessee. At the time, um, the best orthopedic guy uh, who's still down there in Birmingham, Alabama, James Andrews, uh, was the guy that I had do my surgery. One of the, the top, you know, orthopedic surgeons in this, this area for the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Yeah, I've heard of him and I've heard... I mean, he's worked on a lot of athletes through the years, a lot of big name athletes. Yeah, and he's still, I, I think, you know, last I heard about him, he, you know, obviously he, he, he still um, is doing surgery, but he's the, he's an Auburn guy. So he's always following Auburn football and, and on the sidelines and, and that, that sort of thing. But he, he's been a leader in, um, you know, the surgeries that, that are happening now with, with shoulders and, and, uh, but yeah, I had one early in my career and I just was never able, I had several opportunities to bounce back. And as a catcher, when you have a rotator cuff surgery, it's different than a pitcher because a pitcher, you know, he can train to be able to, to pitch, you know, once every five days or he's going to have days off, whether he's a reliever or a starter as a catcher, you know, you, you, you're not, you don't, you can't have specific days off. You got to be ready to catch whether you're a starter every day 
or if you're a backup guy, then you got to be ready to go in defensively or a pinch hitter and, and play defense all the time, every, every day. So I wasn't able to bounce back from um, the multiple. I ended up having more down the line um, and then over to my left shoulder because I would, I, I, I enjoyed sliding head first and that caught up with me um, later in my career. So um, I wasn't able to catch, but became a first baseman DH. Um, so I fought my way back to the big leagues in 1990 with the Chicago White Sox, uh, which was an enjoyable year. I was in really good shape. Um, and that team I was on when I made it back to the big leagues, God, was just as good as the Blue Jay team I was on. We had several Hall of Famers, Carlton Fisk, Sammy Sosa, Frank Thomas. Uh, we had the really good uh, reliever, the closer, Bobby Thigpen, Jack McDowell, Dan Pasqua. I mean, there were Ozzie Gian, um, So Ron Karkovice was a really good catcher. Um, in fact, I have a, a lithiograph of everyone's autograph on it. I think with Thomas Fisk. No, not, like, well, a lot of people think he should be, but no. No, he's not. But I mean, obviously, he's yeah. You know, so, the guy has he put up great numbers on the other side of town in Chicago, um, and at the Cubs. But yeah, I mean, you, you, the guys you mentioned, geez, what was that like with with Carlton? What was it like? What, what kind of guy was he? Well, tell you what, you know, I hung out with him a little bit. Um, this was in 1990, and he was just a great guy. You know, he was real, you know, he, this was towards the end of his career uh, when I, w I spent time with him um, and, you know, just picked his pocket with every, he had stories, you know, of, and then, you know, what, what his MO was, was the ability to stay healthy uh, with the way that he took care of his body. Uh, that was uh, interesting observing that. Uh, what he did before games and after games to be able to play into his forties. Uh, another player we had on that team um, uh, was Alex Fernandez. He was my roommate um, and he was a really good pitcher in the major leagues for a long period of time. Came out of he's the lefty. Um, the area. Right. He's a and lefty, Alex right? Fernandez. He's a little, Oh, no, okay. right-handed starter. Else. You know, wasn't wasn't a tall guy, but he was built well. Um, but he ended up pitching. You know, he did end his career kind of short, but he pitched. I would say six, seven, eight years in the big leagues, and good years. Um, so, um, but of course, that I'll remember the the time with Frank Thomas because I played with him in Double A at the beginning of 1990 and we hit back to back whether I hit third, he hit fourth. I remember in the second half of that season, our manager, Ken Barry switched us around where Frank hit third and I hit fourth um, to hit behind him. So he would, he would get some better pitches. Um, and then he was promoted. That was the first year he got to the big leagues in 1990. So we got sent up together. Um, 
he was actually a little earlier than me and I was a September call up, but that fun, very fun year, very good team. I enjoyed the manager. Um, uh, the, the manager's name I remember was Jeff Cat, the former catcher for and the, he, for the California angels. Yeah. Yeah. He was just a, a pleasure to be around. Very professional. And then what I remember about that whole setup in 90 is the next year, um, they, the GM, they had changed GMs. So I believe the general manager um, from 90 was no longer with the club in 91. They brought in a new GM. And then when that happens in baseball, you know, a lot of things change. Staff members change. Well, that was the roster change changes for the everything um, with that organization that, they, they, then they they um, switched stadiums that year because that was their, that that was I, yeah I think that little you're, you're that you right, had Al. I've seen it um, was a picture of the old Comiskey Park and because that was their that was the, that was the last year it sure was and yep. it, that 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 you guys played that the White Sox played in it and it was also the end of the the White Sox uniforms those old White Sox uniforms. Because the next year or the following year, I think they had they came out with the black and and silver. And yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I that remember the that. The reason I remember team. that so well it was because I I spent some time with you uh, that that went that off season, and I remember you had uh, a White Sox cap, a few of them, and you gave me one, the new ones, the black ones. They they hadn't even come out yet. Nobody was selling them. And I remember you gave me one, and I remember wearing that uh, around town or whatever, going to the market or going to the mall. And I remember people stopping me, I, I even offering a couple times people that wanted to buy it off me because of the, they hadn't they hadn't seen that those those hadn't come out yet, you know. Yeah, they had just well they had given some players passed them out in the locker room and stuff, but that that was a. An interesting time and the changing of ballparks and the, the front office had changed. So I ended up uh, the following year um, primarily playing at the AAA level back in the minor leagues and, and doing well, but not well enough where, uh, you know, I would be promoted back to the big leagues. Um, that would have been 1991. So, um, and then just continued. I really enjoyed playing, but my career took me in, you know, different routes and after surgeries. And once I got a certain age uh, in the United States, you know, jobs were running out. There aren't a lot of older players um, back when I played that would play in AAA. They, they, they don't want 28, 29, 30-year-old players playing in AAA. They would rather have their younger prospects um, getting the playing time and developing. So that, that's basically around the time um, that I ended up going no, down no, hold on. Be, before you go there, in Mexico. I, I, wanna, I don't want to go down that route until our next, our, the next half of that. Let's stand it because now, didn't you also have absolutely um, with the Braves? Weren't you with the Braves a little bit? What year was that? And and the Angels? 
Okay, well, I'll finish off, finish off my career in the U.S. Very simple. In 91, I played in AAA. That was in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, played with a lot of ex-big leaguers. Ron Kittle. Um, one I remember. Uh, Sosa came down a little bit in the minor league. You know, you have guys that come down from the big leagues on, on injury rehab or what, what, what you have it. Um, and so 92, um, I became a free agent. So I signed with the California angels in 92. Now the Braves year, the Braves have oh, okay. before That's I signed right. okay. with the white Sox. Yeah. So the Braves actually what happened with the Braves from 90, 1998 or 88 to 89 is I was a rule five selection. And what that means is in the off season, after my surgeries with the Blue Jays, they put me on the AAA roster in the off season. And the Braves came in and ended up selecting me as a Rule 5 selection off the AAA roster. And what that means is when you're selected in the Rule 5 draft is the intent for the team that selects you is to be on their big league roster okay. for a year. If, if you're not going to make their team, then they offer you back to your original club for half the, the purchasing price. And I believe oh, okay. back when I played, right. it was 25000 So So I ended up going in to spring training. And back at that time, spring training was in West Palm Beach, Florida for the Braves. They were there for years. And the same thing, the, the connection there was the manager uh, was yeah, Bobby okay. Cox. And Bobby Cox, Bobby Cox was the manager of the Blue okay. Jays when I signed. So he knew about me. He, I, never, I never played for him in the big leagues, but he knew about me. And I've worked out in front of him um, back during the process of, of getting drafted and all of that. Um, so uh, Cox knew about me. They decided to roll the, the dice, went into spring training. And I actually did pretty well hitting-wise, but I couldn't catch and throw. Um, so what happened then is, is um, I was offered back to the Blue Jays. Um, and the Blue Jays ended up releasing me when I right. went back yeah. to them. I mean, I was injured. Uh, so. so in 1989, I took the rest of the season off. I did not play and rehabbed, got myself in better shape, lost some weight, and that's when I signed in the off season for the okay. 1990 season with the Chicago now you and while you were with the Braves though you got to to um. Got to know a little bit Dale Murphy. What, am I right about that? Yeah, that I tell you what, that was another great experience. I was in spring training the entire spring training, so obviously um, that was another. You know that 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 team and the organization was exceptional. Uh, you know, obviously led at that during those years by Dale Murphy which I was able to hang out with great guy. I still have some of his, he gave me two bats that I still have 
uh, in the garage, but uh, just being around him and the way that he conducted himself um, on and off the field, um, what he meant to with the fan base, the way he the way he played the game, um, the way he talked to you. Um, so, other other players that I remember, um, I hung around the catcher a little bit. Uh, Bruce Benedict, who had been around a while. Jeff Blauser, um, just another organization with exceptional players, a lot of success. But I was only there about a month, um, so that was a a time that I cherished um, and still follow. Do you think, do you think Murphy belongs uh, in the Hall of Fame? Well, in my experience, absolutely. Um, I think I think some players there needs to be another area of the, the, the human being aspect because he was so exceptional, you know, not only right, on, right, but okay. off the field, the way that he represented his organization. Um, obviously, you know, most people that follow him and know him, you know, they know that he's a family man and the, that he's dedicated um, a lot of his time to his religion. Um, and he's just an exceptional human being. I mean, some of that needs to be, uh, you know, part of the reason why he, he should be in the hall of fame. You know, he yeah. did everything the right way. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I, I, and you know, a great I'm, I'm a big player. fan, obviously it is anyways, but you know, two, uh, two MVP back to back. Um, I mean, there was a five, about seven year stretch where he was probably considered, the best, if not, or in the, in the top three or four um, in the conversation of the best players in baseball. And uh, I just, I don't know. I just, it, it I, I see other players who have been in, I'm not going to mention them and, you know, well, I will mention them. Like the last selection with the, he was a great player. Um, was that he was a White Sox also was Harold Gaines. Uh, he was a great player, but uh, I, I just don't, and if it, if if I was drafting a team, I drafted Dale Murphy long before I I drafted Harold Baines. You know it's well. Let's just put it this way, and this is part of your, I'm sure, as you continue your 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 podcasts. Dale Murphy is a much better baseball player than Harold Baines, and where it it's it's the all around player. I mean, where where statistics aren't kept, Dale Murphy, you know, balls in the dirt would take extra bases. He for a, a guy that was six four, six three, six four, God, he ran like a thoroughbred. I mean, all the little extra things that nowadays that aren't kept statistically, Dale Murphy did exceptionally. You know, taking extra bases on a bad relay. Um you know, just it was an enjoyment being a, a a younger version of a player that was taught to play the right way, watching him play. Um, but I would say two things that stand out to me is an exceptional player on little things that stats aren't kept, and and the type of person, yeah, the way that he conducted guy. himself on guy. and off the field. 
Yeah. Well, listen, Matt. Absolutely. Let's 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 wrap this up. Let's stay. We we've re- we've talked a lot about about your career and on in the U.S. on the U.S. side of things, and it's it's just it's an interesting career and and uh, and you know I, I I'm biased too. I mean I I I know what kind of player uh, you were and and it, you know it was just always it was fun to to be honest with you to be fun because I was following you along all during that time. You know, we would talk and and we kept in touch during that all that going through that, and it was just a lot of fun to watch that career. But you, you're, I'm. We won't. T- we'll touch a little bit on, but you know, in the next episode, we're going to talk to Maddie about um, his time uh, in other countries, in, in in primarily in Mexico. So the the most the more interesting parts of your career happened over there. And a lot of fun to, to talk about, but let's wrap this up. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for coming on and spending some time and, uh, and, and going through things. Uh, you know, I, there's just so much we could have probably expanded on and maybe we will at another time, but there's a bunch of things that we could talk about during your, that we probably left out, you know, your, your major leagues and, and in the minor leagues, but um, maybe for another time, but, Thanks a lot, Maddie, for coming on, bro. I, I appreciate it, man. I really do. I know everybody else listening to. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Look forward <laughs> to the next time. All right. Make sure guys, you're this is Dugout Talk. This is Al signing off with Matt Stark, and uh, we'll talk to everybody later. All right, buddy. Take care. You got it, kid. Have a great day.